0: If we can uplift what you're doing and give you the tools to rebuild your community bigger, better, stronger, wealthier than before, that excites me far more than me coming in to try and rebuild your community.
1: Welcome back to the Yeti Voice Podcast. This week I spoke to Phil Paluccia. He is an incredible human being. He is the definition of the future of business and he is also the future of media itself. I'm going to let him fill you in on what all of that means. He is an absolute gent, and I am so blessed to have had this conversation. I'm sure you'll enjoy it as much as I have.
0: Phil, welcome. (laughs) Very nice to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. It's good. Thank you for having me. It's good to be
1: here. It's great to have you. What's the weather like over there in uh, England at the moment?
0: It's always crap, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like a, a standard answer the whole time. It's um, yeah. do you know what? It's not raining for once, which is a positive, but it's it's not exactly shorts and t-shirt weather.
1: Oh man, that is a positive though. When the rain stops, it's like a breath of fresh air, even if it is cold.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So um, yeah, it's kind of um, you don't need a coat, but you need a hoodie. That kind of yeah. weather. Yeah.
1: Uh, I remember that well. It was, um, you know, like here. We've the last few days we've uh, we're in a completely different hemisphere, right down on almost the most southern tip of Africa you can be at down here, and uh, mm. it's been like England. It's been horribly windy. It's been horribly rainy for for about a week. It mm. just hasn't stopped. And today, still, there's just mist hanging everywhere.
0: Mm, I remember the first, the very first time I was going to Cape Town. I was being sent by work, and I was really excited. I'd Googled all the images. I'd seen how amazing Cape Town looks, and then I arrived. And um, I might as well have been in Blackpool. It was just oh, wow. raining. It was windy. Um, there was like this weird – you couldn't go really too close to the waterfront because the roads down there had this weird foam and water across them, and it was like <laughs> – what what is going on like this is it was not what i was expecting i was expecting like this tropical paradise and i just got battered by like 80 mile an hour winds but eventually the sun came out and um yeah i got to i got to experience the the beauty that is the mother city but yeah i remember when i first arrived being like are you taking me home like what's going on
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it can get really weird out here man i mean the they're also you know we don't plan cities when we build them so city of cape town it's a beautiful place yeah but we have you know the the argus cycle tour which is like a big bicycle race here um they've put the race through the city center um mm. and there's one particular place that the the way they've built the city just channels wind like really high speed winds so that these people zipping around on their little carbon bikes, the bike just goes out from under them. Let's have a look Ooh. on YouTube. There's
0: That would be well worth a watch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we have to obviously plan a city so that it becomes a wind tunnel, clearly. I mean, it's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, there's, there's, there's no thought to it, is there? Um, I mean, we, we had a, a, a similar one, actually, in... Uh, In London, they designed a building and it was designed by this really famous architect and he built it with um, like a big sort of mirrored side. This whole side was mirrored, (laughs) but it catches the sun, right? So what was happening was the pavement below kept like melting because it was basically like a giant magnifying glass. It was just (laughs) batting the sun straight at this one point. And if you walk past it, you get burns. It was melting the paving stones. Like this thing was ridiculous. So they ended up having to like, Clad the whole thing, but that costs like hundreds of thousands of dollars to clad this whole thing. So now you've just got this weird-looking building that would have looked really nice mirrored, but just has this awful cladding up it to try and stop it <laughs> setting fire to stuff. Oh my days! It was uh, there's no common sense to this stuff whatsoever. It's like that'll look nice. Let's do that. What could possibly go wrong?
1: <laughs> Sometimes artistic uh, flair needs to be wound in a little bit. Huh, for the I sake think so. Practicality.
0: I think so. Phil,
1: you are quite the man to be speaking to. You know, um, it's uh, for someone who's just starting this podcasting game to be speaking to somebody who's got one of the best podcasts in the world, first of all, quite humbling, but also the amount of stuff that you're currently doing is pretty (laughs) staggering. Do Do you want to try and put that in a nutshell for anyone who doesn't know you?
0: yeah sure i mean where do you begin as you say i mean it's um it's one of those things isn't it where it's like well if you're going to run one business you might as well run five um (laughs) it's kind of my attitude towards stuff so um so yeah well look it, it all all of it comes down to entrepreneurial empowerment so uh i love to work with the emerging markets and high potential growth organizations so um i am for want of a better phrase a growth strategist um that kind of is very good at strategic alliances so um if we were to boil this right down business is a team sport uh, and i'm very good at helping people to establish the teammates that they should be playing with to help them win a trophy um, and i use podcasting media and television primarily um to help kind of build those relationships and find those people you know your vibe attracts your tribe so how are we going to go and see who we resonate with how we're going to see who we work with so um we've got a business broadcasting arm we've got a podcasting arm we've got a growth strategy and consultancy arm um, but it all essentially comes down to the same thing which is you know we we work very heavily with the you know the next generation of entrepreneurs and the businesses of tomorrow Um, and because of that we're very attractive and do a lot of work with the investors of today because you know 70% of our work on one particular side of our business, which is our um, growth strategy side of our business, is with the investment community. So, private equity, investment banks, venture capitalists, because they understand that, well, they understand two things. Number one, you need to be investing money in the businesses of tomorrow, because that's what they do. But number two is that many great businesses and concepts have never reached their full potential because people don't know who the hell they are. Um, and that's really where I come in. It's the stage, the spotlight. So I always say to them, if you need more market share, more media coverage or the right funding introductions, you speak to us.
1: That sounds really cool. It's amazing it is. Like, that you used all of those different branches to really implement doing one central thing, which is building people up and building up, communities around those people
0: yeah i mean i think the sad thing for me was like because i've worked worked globally right and i've got to i've got to work i mean i was born in the uk i've done a lot of work in north america um and then i've lived across africa we've done stuff in latin america and i do a lot of work across southeast asia and i think one of the things that often surprised me and i don't even mind saying that phrase was that I would meet businesses in these sort of so-called emerging markets and lesser areas, less developed countries. And they'd have incredible business ideas that could absolutely revolutionize the world, but they didn't have access to the people who can actually make that possible. Um, And I could never really understand why that was. And then you start to deal more with the, I call them the money men. That's not a sexist thing because there's women involved there as well, but like the money people then, and you deal more and more with the money people and, and they're, sort of answer is well we don't know anything about those markets we don't we, you know it, it, we're a little bit cautious to get involved we don't know kind of how we do and how we don't do business culturally in those locations you know we don't is there aspiration to just work with africa or do they want to you know, i mean if they want to come here and go to the new york stock exchange and nasdaq we can do that like the back of our hand and i'm thinking <laughs> that's the dream of many of these businesses so like essentially yeah. you you guys just need introducing um and that's where it all kind of began really i mean the the podcast was very much about i mean it started off as just africa and now it's become the emerging markets but i used to say i want to introduce the best of africa to the world and the best of the world to africa Um, and it was just kind of bringing those relationships and partnerships together both in terms of client opportunities investment opportunities mentorship and training opportunities all of it right and that's kind of where it all stemmed from and then sort of southeast asia was like well hey what about us (laughs) you know we have the same problems can we can we get in on this and then before you know it latin america was involved there was a lot happening there and they're like well look we're not even that far away from the us but we might as well be on the moon because they don't even think about us like we're on a completely different planet to them so how do we how do we bridge that gap so for me that was kind of building you know it's, the, it's globalization i love globalization and many people don't but i do um i'm a very cross-border cross-religion cross-culture kind of guy because i think every everybody can kind of bring something to the table so yeah. when i'm creating these business teams if you will and what i'm talking about there isn't people who work for you necessarily it's people who you're collaborated with and affiliated with and strategic alliances it's having a partner in the US who can help you with this bit and a partner in Africa who can help you with this bit and a partner in Southeast Asia who can help you with this bit and as a collective you can achieve far more together than you ever could individually
1: absolutely absolutely. that difference though is incredibly interesting between having employees who you sort of give stuff to do tasks manage heavily all that sort of thing that sounds like you've got something a lot more familial going on
0: yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's probably because I came from the world of sport, right? So I, I always knew that it didn't matter how good I was as an individual player. I was never going to win a trophy in a championship all by myself. You know, you needed to be surrounded by teammates who are just as good at their bit. And anybody who's ever played a team sport will tell you, you know, you do just as much coaching of your teammates as the coaches do because, you know, you, you want to support them and give them advice. So it's like, I remember really clearly um, I was a, was a winger in football, and they, my I had this coach that used to insist on getting me back into the box because I was quite tall. So anytime there was a corner or a free kick, he'd make me go and get in the box defensively. And I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> at that end. I, like I was just sort of stood there like knocking around, and like I was constantly losing my runner because I didn't know what I was doing. And coaches would be like, look, you need to stand here, and, and if the ball comes to you, get rid of it. And it's like, okay. Yeah. But then the other defenders are kind of like, well, actually we need you to cut off this channel. Cause if you make this run, I can watch him. And then, and there was far more strategic. So I would learn more from my central defenders about defending oh. than I would f- from my coaches. And, you know, We would have fullbacks who would get forward and they would be like, well, what do we do when we get the ball and we've got the opportunity to just go for a big run down the wing? It was like, right, well, if that happens and you see me cut inside, I want you to go on the overlap and put the cross in. It was like, oh, great. That makes perfect sense. I know what to do now. So we'd start to kind of almost see how each other works. right? It's like a sixth sense. You start to kind of understand, right, if this person does this bit, then that means I need to do this bit and i never understood why business couldn't be the same and growing up in in the corporate environment you know uh, i experienced a lot of what everybody does i suppose which is the you know, Shh, don't tell our competitors what we're doing <laughs> it's like it's all a, it's all a big secret and then when you work with many of them you're all like you do realize you've all got the same secrets right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you all know the same stuff <laughs> um and, and for me it was more about well oh, we should collaborate more than we should compete this doesn't This doesn't make sense to me. Like we can, you know, I'm a David versus Goliath kind of guy. So what you should do is all these small to medium sized businesses. You shouldn't be competing with each other. You should be collaborating and taking on the big boys. That's, that's where the fun starts, but you know, I'm picking on them here, but I actually like their product. So I'm just using them as a big name example, but like Apple, for example, Apple aren't worried about you as a small to medium sized business, because what, what the hell are you going to do to compete with Apple at your size? But if there's 50 to 100 small to medium-sized businesses, now Apple starts to take notice because, okay, there's a bit of a movement going on here. There's a collaborative thing. There's brand loyalty. There's a lot of things happening. We really need to up our game and pay attention to what's happening. And all of that is good for the industry because then it, 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 it makes sure that the people at the top of their game keep raising their game and don't stand still. But it means that the smaller guy gets more of a slice of the pie because they're competing together um yeah. so it is that sports analogy right if you're a good business essentially you are just one good player in a team but if you haven't got a team around you of equally good players you're not going to win jack
1: yeah yeah i'm finding a lot of people are struggling with that mentality you know I'm, I'm having this uh interaction more and more with people where it's like you know you do a similar to th- thing to what i do you know not you phil somebody else you know, yeah like do uh, like a local person video editing, that sort of stuff, uh, producing. And you'll say to them, you know, if you have overflow clients or you have clients that aren't a good fit for you, send them my way, I'll do the same thing. And you try and start a collaboration and you're met with the attitude of, yeah, but you're just going to steal all my clients then. (laughs) this kind of back-footed suspicion. How do you begin to shift that in a society? Because I I find that, you know... They run in pockets, people don yeah, 't yeah, little pockets of influence, and some people you 'll find little pockets where it 's like hell don 't like you said don 't tell anyone anything,
0: yeah, <laughs> hell, hell will break loose <laughs> oh yeah, that will we'll, we'll, all the secret it's like pandora 's box, right, all the secrets are going to come out, and then we 're screwed because yep. everybody knows it 's like everyone knows already <laughs> it's like you haven 't figured out some magical way to be a video editor that no one else has figured out, you know you aren 't. You, you're you not the real estate broker who has a magic box of home of stock and landlords. Like this doesn't exist, right? You've all yeah. got the same stuff. So yeah. I guess the honest answer is it's there's a couple of ways of addressing that. So the first way that I would address it is to, I, I always start with them, right? So I always start with, um, okay, mate, so um, I'm always coming across people. I can't possibly handle all the work that I'm having conversations with. In fact, some of it just doesn't, doesn't meet my criteria um tell me about you tell me about the kind of people that i should be introducing to you like which kind of projects will get you excited and be your bread and butter and you need to dig deeper here than the well i can do this for anybody kind of comment that comes back it's like right well fine i get that we all can but who is it you really enjoy working with like think about those clients that if you could go and go do you know what you give me another 10 of them and i'm a happy boy like who are those clients? Tell me about them. Like, you don't have to tell me the name, but tell me what they are and what they do. Yeah. And they'll tell you. And typically you, you'll start to find that whilst you kind of do similar things you'll all kind of have a slightly different niche like one people will be really really enjoying kind of working with the marketing and creative agencies and they really kind of want to do more of that work whereas another one's actually kind of wanting to push more into the television stuff and another one's more independent movies and documentary series and before you know it you've kind of got a bit of an ecosystem around you Of okay i i know who these people are and then you share with them the types of people that you want to be introduced to but actually, think a step bigger as well, right? So as an individual, you're going to struggle to go to, let's say, a television network and say, look, give us some of your work. Like, we'll do this for you because you're one person. Yes. And they're like, well, that's not going to work. It's more at that <laughs> point. It's more like we'll give you a job, <laughs> you know, like we'll, yeah. well, we can hire you, but we're not going to sort of outsource it to you. Whereas if you go to them and say, look, there's three or four of us here that work together. We're the best in the business at what we do. And we often work on projects together. Um, We'd like to talk to you about doing some work with you. Well, that now feels a much safer bet because that's now a team of experts that have found themselves and put themselves together. So it's like, well, I want to hire you. It's like, well, you couldn't afford to hire all of us and we work as a collective. So that's not going to work. And it, it gives you more power. So it's the power of the collective, right? Um, but it's also the it's also having to be very clear, firstly, with yourself about what it is that you want to do and who you really want to work with, and then being prepared to share that message with other people. So the, like, let's use the example that you just gave. People are saying, well, what a, you're going to steal all my clients. It's like, well, actually, mate, if I'm really honest, I only really want to do this bit. Like, this is the bit that really gets me excited. And, and actually, I know you mentioned that you get really excited by A, B, and C. Well, mine's D and E, and that's really kind of where I want to spend my time. So... In an ideal world, I'd say no to anybody that wasn't a D and an E. Um, so I don't want to steal your clients at all. Um, in fact, they're the kind of people I want to say no to. Um, you know, if, But if you come across a D and E person, I would love to do that. And we can do a bit of an exchange. I can pay you 10%, you pay me 10% of any referrals. That way we both get money for it. But it also means that I've now got somewhere, and it's going to be a lucrative relationship, somewhere that every time I come across someone that's not a D and E, I can send them in your direction and your business is going to thrive as well.
1: Yeah, that's powerful, man. I mean, it's it's a complete step away from traditional, like, guardedness. You have to have a bit more openness and a bit more trust in people as well. Because it's hard to police a relationship like that. So it does come down to integrity, don't you? It's
0: self-policing because... If when you've got a collective of people, if somebody starts letting the side down, you very quickly know, you know, because you, your other partners start to say, "I keep referring stuff to him, and my customers aren't really enjoying it." You know, like I know another guy who does that. Can I make an introduction? And before you know it, it's—I mean, it, it's the it's the soccer team analogy again, isn't it? Like if you if you're playing and then a winger starts to let you down, or that midfielder just people keep drifting by him and he's not really doing his job. The teammates are going to start looking at each other being like we're never going to win anyth- win anything with him in the midfield we need another solid central defensive midfielder I know a couple let me introduce them and you do have to keep upscaling and 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 improving so this isn't a one one time thing you don't do this once and then go right there's my team um that doesn't work you have to you know uh, i always use soccer as an analogy so in, in 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 soccer over here there's a january transfer window and a summer transfer window so that's two opportunities a year to replace people that aren't the right people in your team i take the same uh-huh. philosophy christmas and summer i will look and say am i really happy with the standard of my team are we really going to be able to challenge for what i want to challenge and push for if not who do i need to bring into strength and what we do
1: yeah okay And that's clearly defined. So, you know, it's a period of time where people can prove their worth. And six months for most processes is enough, isn't it, really?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, anything less than that, I think you... you you know, there's always teething, right? It's like you can't, again, taking it back to sport, you can't judge a player on the first month of them being in the squad because it's going to take them time to settle down, get used to the league, get used to relationships, get used to the players. But after six months, you're going to start to see signs as to whether or not this person's starting to settle down or this person's completely out of their depth. <laughs> um, and, and and it's the same in business. And there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, it's, uh, you know you want to win right that's why we're all in business we want to be successful so it it also encourages people to keep upping their own game like i've had people come to me who are struggling within that setup and i've come and said you know i find myself kind of not quite at the level that you guys are like what can i do to improve and then it's like well what's a great question let me plug you in with these coaches and these mentors and these people that we work with and that i've done stuff with because you know you have to appreciate that where I am today. I mean, I would jokingly say, you know, it's been an overnight success 12 years in the making. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And, but I've been through mentors and lessons and some real heartache and some difficult times to get to where we are today. So it would be naive and wrong of me to kind of say to somebody, well, look, if you can't match that level off, you go kind of thing. But if at the same time, you know, it's, They have to want to improve. I can't force a coach on you and say, there you go, go and improve. Because if they think they're the bee's knees, then they're never going to learn anything. But if it's kind of like, actually, I'm really hungry to learn because I want to keep playing this game. I want to keep with these players because if I stick with this team, I'm going to win the Champions League. It's like, great. Well, let's get you a coach who can help you work on these areas of of improvement then. and, And away you go. You'll be one of us.
1: That's the only way I think to go forward anymore. It's yeah. collaboration, but like there's less desperation in it as well. I think a lot of the time with the way that you approach things, you know, there's there's set boundaries, there's set periods for review. No one's having anything suddenly pulled out from under them. You know, there's, no. There's defined boundaries, and I think this. This fear of having the rug pulled out from you suddenly being on your ass—I think that is one of the most crippling things that people face in the work.
0: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent eliminated. That is beautiful. Well, we also never really just pull the rug out, like even when we say no. So, Mm -hmm. like if we let's say a partner isn't the right fit for us anymore or whatever, I'll never just sort of—it's—it's not just going to be a tap like I turn it off and it's gone. There'll be a phase transition, but there's usually something on the lines of look. Um, What I'm going to do, mate, because I think you've probably found the same is that those A and B clients you're amazing at, right? But the C and D clients, they're a bit big for you at this point and they're kind of taking it out of you and it's not really flowing as nicely. So what I want to do is I found this partner who's going to help us with C and D. I just want you to focus on the A and B relationship. So every time we get one of them, I'm going to keep putting those towards you. And listen, as you grow and kind of get to that stage let's start to reintroduce them again because there's always going to be this work available but i want yeah. you to be successful i want you to work in the areas that you're most comfortable and at the minute whether that was you whether that was me whether that was a combination i think we've probably bitten off a bit more than we can chew at this point and that's why i'm going to bring somebody else in to support us with that Makes so i never sense. just say off you go Never, yeah. but it's just, again, using the soccer analogy, it might be saying to your first team player, look, I think where you're at at the moment, I'm putting you under too much pressure starting you every single week. So I'm going to give you, you know, six to 12 months on the bench so that you can really kind of work on what you're doing. And in that 15, 20 minutes that you're going to come in per game, you can really give 100% because you know you've only got to do it for 15, 20 minutes rather than trying to figure out how you're going to give 100% over a 90 minute period, which at the minute you're falling short of. So let's get you working with people. Let's get you working with the right coaches, the right support system around you. And when I call upon you, I know that you're not only going to be able to give 100%, but you're going to absolutely smash it out of the park because that's the bit that you're best at. So they're like, great. I'm happy with that. Because that, what they don't want is for you to say, listen, mate, you crap, I'm selling you out of the team. You're not you're not here anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. Nobody wants to hear that. So it's like, listen, yeah. we'll put you on the bench. We'll get you ready. And then by that point, anybody who knows any, any, knows anything about soccer will tell you, You know, if you spend a period of time on the bench, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to up your game and then you will start to be competing for for a first team place again. Or you get sick of being on the bench and you actually end up going to the manager and saying, listen, I think I probably want to go and play with another team where I'm going to get more regular first team football. And it's like, no problem. I wish you well. Absolutely. Off you go. Like, I, I fully respect that. If you don't want to be doing, like, 15, 20 minutes a game, you want to go down a little bit in terms of the quality of team, so that you're playing the full 90 minutes. Listen, I get that. I fully respect that. You go with my blessing. You go with my love. And and listen, if we ever come across each other in the cup, don't score against me. You know, it's <laughs> it, it's, it's that kind of attitude. Uh, but that's yeah. it, it's exactly the same in business. There's no reason why business shouldn't be exactly the same. It doesn't have to be this... Awful cutthroat you know standing on people's heads I mean that's the biggest misconception for me is that you have to stand on people's heads to be successful It's yeah. just simply not true it's just yeah. it's simply not true. You can make a lot of money, have a lot of success, help a tremendous amount of people, and it can be fun like I love what I do it's a lot of fun you can tell <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun man it's like a big game I love it.
1: It's a beautiful thing. I think it's a lot of time ego, though. You know, when, when somebody is stepping somebody else down, it's. I think it's two things. You can tell me what you think. But first mm. of all, a misunderstanding of, like, the abundance of that energy. You know, the energy of, of love and gratitude and collaboration is a fairly abundant thing. The more you use it, the Definitely. more you have it, 100%. it never runs out. And it's a misunderstanding of that, but there's also this, like, I'm going to call it a personality flaw. It might be a it might be a psychological syndrome, though. I I can't tell at this point, beyond me. But it's I can't elevate myself unless I drag others down. You know, it's instead of crawling up to meet them or exceed them, you pull them down to be below you, and that's the trend that we're seeing leaving. Right?
0: <laughs> okay. So, um. I might end up going on a bit of a ramp with this one because you 've touched on something very very big for me there so the fir- the first one absolutely like there, there's no argument for me on that point whatsoever um, the more you the more you give, the more you get i 'm a firm believer in that um, and you know giving like introductions like I love being a connector, some of those connections I am paid for because it 's part of what we do. Most of the time, I'm not. I'll just come across someone and go, ooh, I know who I should introduce to you because I kind of, it's, it's like, it's who resonates. It's like, I, right, I'm getting a similar frequency from you as I do from this person. And that's all gut feeling and intuition. None of that is logic-based. But then again, very little do is logic-based. Um, if it doesn't feel right, I don't do it. But if I, if I kind of get a feeling, oh, I think you'd really hit it off with this person, even if I can't see what that would be or what that connection would be, i put that because that's not my job i'm not the smartest man in the world i put you two together you guys are going to figure out where the synergies are and where the opportunities are and before you know it it's like actually it's really funny i didn't know what i was going to do with this guy but my wife's writing a book and he his wife publishes books and now we're doing this together and it's like well i was never going to know that was i um so it, absolutely the more you give them more you get that whole frequency piece is is massive and, and people really need to tap into that because that's where the abundance comes from right it's like it also depends on who you ask. I think is the other thing, isn't it? Right? Because if if you, there will be people listening to this all over the world right now. But let's talk about South Africans just for a minute, because South Africans by nature, uh, and I'm married to one, so I can say this. Spent a lot of time down there. They're very, they're very mistrusting, right? Like yeah. if something sounds too good to be true, it's because it's bollocks, <laughs> right? Is 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 kind of the attitude that they take. It's like, and it's not, um, it's not a I believe you until. I see that you're wrong. It's a show me or I'm not going to believe you kind of yeah. culture, right? <laughs> yeah. And and that's difficult to work with. And the reason that that's difficult to work with is if you ask, let's say 6 of your South African friends, "Hey, listen, it's it's May right now. Can I make a million dollars in profit between now and the end of the year?" Like 5 or 6 of them out of the 6 are going to go, "No." <laughs> Like no, you can't. Like yeah. it's not possible. It's too, there's not enough money in South Africa. There's no money. Everything's so expensive. It's all the world screwed. You know, SARS will just take it all anyway. <laughs> no, you can't. Right? And it'll all just be this negative fest. But if I introduce you to you know five or six of the multimillionaires and billionaires that I know, and you ask them the same question, the answer is going to be, yeah, of course you can. you can make it in the next month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what a stupid question. It's like you ask someone who drives a golf, listen, can I get a Ferrari? No. If you ask someone who has a Ferrari, can I get a Ferrari? They're going to go, yeah, of course you can. In fact, there's a dealer down there. (laughs) (laughs) and It's very simple when you're speaking to the right people. So the first thing I want to say is you have to surround yourself with the right kind of people. That's what I mean by your vibe attracts your tribe. And that's why you've also got to start thinking globally because if there's no money in South Africa, then stop earning rands. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not difficult. Earn pounds and dollars and spend ran. That's what I did. And it goes so much yeah. further, I promise you, right? If the, I looked at some of the, the salaries and stuff in South Africa, and I was like, there's no way I'm doing that job for that money. No way. Yeah. right? I could yeah. do a, this job remote for a company in, the, in Europe and live here and earn three times as much. Why would I do that? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. So the second point of what you said, and this is where I might end up going on a little bit of a rant, 'Cause it's one of the things that really bugs me is that you know ninety-eight percent of the world's wealth is owned by the top two, three percent of people, right? And he who has the money makes the rules, right? They've <laughs> made the rules to the game. They own all the media channels, he who owns the media controls the narrative, right? Yeah. So it's not an accident that ninety eight percent of the world or ninety seven percent of the world have this attitude of you have to stand on people to get ahead. That's what you've been taught. It's not a coincidence that 98% of the world think that there's not enough money in the world and there's not enough abundance. That's what you've been taught, right? It's not It's not a coincidence that 98% of the world seem to think that the way to have success is go to school, work really hard, go to university, get a degree, start in a company, work your way up at the bottom, sell time for money trade your time which is the most valuable resource for money sacrifice yourself your body your relationships all in the goal of this this almighty money thing which is this out of reach i'm never actually going to get there but i'm going to keep trying and then when you're old and gray and you can't do anything anyway now you can retire on a pension that they give you and go and kind of dine out on it that is such an antiquated way of looking at the life i mean that is That's the industrial revolution mindset. And that was a long time ago, right? The industrial revolution was a long ass time ago. We're now in the entrepreneurial revolution. This is, this is not the industrial revolution anymore. This is the entrepreneurial revolution. This isn't move to a city and work for a company that employs 2,000 people. This is move to a beach and work for a company that employs three people and partner with other companies that employ three people. So there's 20 of you that go out there and kick ass. Yeah. That's the industry we live in today. So the very first thing that people need to do to realize that they can be successful and they can get out their own way and do the whole ego thing. And this is when we talk about ego, this is the, this is where you and I might slightly disagree with this. I don't think it's a psychological disorder. I just think if you tell somebody long enough that that's what they're worth and that's who they are, they start to believe it. And I think as a society, we've been told that we are powerless. We need the governments. We need the banks. We'll, we'll be so screwed without them. Like we are, we, why? Why do we need you? Wh- wh- you know, wh- wh- why, do why am I paying taxes? For what? Like, I'm paying taxes so that you can decide which charities to give it to. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll give it to the charity directly and then you don't get your 60% cut. How about screw you? <laughs> right. I, I don't need you to sanction a business deal. I'm perfectly capable of having a conversation and shaking somebody's hand myself. I don't need you. Right. And, if, and we're talking about every government in the world now. But if we're picking on South Africa in particular, you know, it's the most established market in Africa. Right. It's the wealthiest economy in Africa. And the yeah. government is still as corrupt as they come. Right and and I'm, I you know there a and I will have a bit of a rant about this. Like I I came I moved to the country when um, Zuma was president. Oh yeah, yo, like this man, you know, he was being investigated, and then as the president, he'd shut down the department who was doing the investigating, and yeah, it was yeah. like this is yeah. dodgy as they come. And then yeah. Cyril came up, and it was like actually, as a huge fan of Mandela, I love Mandela. I'm a, I take a lot of lot of inspiration from that guy. I think he well. I don't think he's a legend. He is a legend. Um, Long Walk to Freedom is probably the only book that is now sort of dogged on my shelf because I've read it cover to cover time and again. I, I absolutely love the guy. Um, and part of me was very excited when Cyril became president, or at least became head of ANC and then became president, because I thought, well, Cyril was the man who Mandela wanted to precede him. Right? He wanted. He wanted to. He wanted to, to succeed him. Sorry, he wanted cyril to take it cyril didn't want to he wanted to go off and do his thing in business and he wasn't ready for it right but there was part of me that was like well if anybody has the ability to bring back that vision of the rainbow nation and that sort of working as a collaboration and and making south africa better for all south africans it would be cyril but by this point cyril's just corrupted by greed just the same as everybody else so you know okay he he didn't he didn't do what Zuma did and build in Kandla and build a massive Olympic sized swimming pool for fire safety purposes and then use tax money. Yeah. But he's not done what I really hoped he'd do. There are still lots of South Africans who live below the poverty line that actually things that have no prospect of getting any better for. So if we, if we look at it in that respect and say, if the governments are failing you, then why do we continue to use them? If we, if we had an employee who continued to fail us as often as the governments do, we'd fire them. So, but it's because we've become so wrapped up in the notion that we have to have a government. It's the same in the UK, right? It's like, uh, we're going to have a general election because the government's failing us. Do you want idiot A or idiot B to run us? And it's like, well, (laughs) It makes no difference because it's going to be the same nonsense no matter who you vote in. It's the same stuff, right? It's the same people in the same clubs. They went to the same private boys' boarding school. They got abused by the same teachers. Like They've all got the same stuff, right? Yeah. So we need to start doing things differently. And, and the way that you do that is by empowering the people. Not by empowering the government, not by changing the government, not by bringing in a different person to tell you what to do instead. It's to take back the power of people telling you what to do and say, I don't need you to tell me what to do anymore. I'm perfectly capable of taking care of me and taking care of my community all by myself. But I'm not naive enough to think that you can do that without money. Money makes the world go round. So that's where so much of what I do, even in the emerging markets and the high potential growth organizations and all this kind of stuff, it starts with wealth creation. Because the more money you have, the more people you can help. Yeah, that's it. Simple as that. That's it.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those things that I suppose is a bit hard to get through to people who are used to not having money, who are used to struggling to make money, the fact that Mm -hmm. you can break out of that is a hell of a gear to shift.
0: Mm -hmm. No, you're right. But I I guess for me, that's where um, it starts with a few, right? Because if you, how do I word this? People will believe it if it's happened to somebody like them. They have to be able to resonate with that person. So look, I came from poverty in the UK, single parent, family, lots of abuse, drug abuse. Um, I've slept on the streets on a number of occasions like I've not come from money, right? So people in the Western part of the world who hear my story resonate with that story and say, I understand where he's coming from. So if he can do it, I can do it. Right. And they'll take inspiration from what I've done and what we do as a business. Then there are, you know, the businesses in Southeast Asia who they've now moved over to the U.S. They trade on the stock exchange. They're doing incredibly well, but they still came from that poor town in Malaysia or Thailand or Indonesia. And for that community, they're the people that they look to. Not me. They don't look to me because they can't resonate with me. They look to those people and go, wow, that's what I want to do. If they can do it, I can do it. Right. And that's when you start to change the narrative and the mindset, which is why for me it's important to make sure that I am empowering people within those emerging markets. But it's, it's arguably more important that I empower people who have a sense of social responsibility, that they won't just make their money and go, Buy Africa. I'm off to Florida right and off they go and and they never come back it's the people that go no i want to i want to empower other people like now i have the money i want to start a school now i have the money i want to go back and do speeches i want to do talks now i have the money i want to do a book or a podcast or a tv show to go out back and reach these people because me talking about Poverty in in the West, and 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 genuinely, and I can, I can say this hand on heart, it feels a bit hypocritical to talk about c- coming from poverty in the West because my version of poverty and Africa's version of poverty are two completely different things. Yeah, yeah. The poverty that I grew up in will would be the dream of some people living in poverty, even in South Africa, the most established market. And if you're living in a township in in a in a in a tin shed you know with no running water electricity and there's a river full of shit washing past your house that's real poverty right you're not you're not considering me growing up in a council house with electricity and water and a roof above me and all that kind of stuff and having to survive off you know x amount of money given to me in benefits per month which didn't go very far but your government gives you nothing so for those people the the life that I had to work extremely hard to get away from would be an aspiration for many. Like that, they would be like, "Well, I would want for nothing if I had that." My children are educated for free. I'm in a safe house. I've got running water, electricity. I've got a roof above my head, and I've got a little bit of money coming in every month. So every, every month, so that we can sort out food and pay bills. What more do I want? Yes. So this is why me talking about my story is not going to empower those people. However, me taking somebody and working with them who has a great idea from those environments, from those cultures, empowering them and then giving them the ability to go back. I mean, look at look at Soweto as a great example. Soweto is constantly starting to grow, but one of the things that used to amaze me was and, and, I, and actually i will share this story because the first time i saw it i really didn't like it and i didn't understand it until somebody locally explained it to me and then now i see it in a completely different light which is why i'm sharing the story when you drive through soweto you've still got the the small towns you've got the townships you've got the small dilapidated houses and then what you've got is you've got these like uh, mansions i can't describe them as anything else you've got these incredibly gorgeous houses right yeah. and you know these are sweating people you know black south africans living in these gorgeous houses and i was like how awful is that you're rubbing the wealth in the face of these people and somebody said to me no no that might be how that works in the west but as africans we celebrate our success by being flashy and showing what we do so actually that big house at the end of the street isn't a sign of they're rich and we're poor it's a sign of well if he can do it i can do it too it's a sign of motivation and inspiration it's a huge difference huge huge difference so then i start to see these houses differently so now when i drive through soweto and i see that there's 10 15 20 more of these large houses i don't feel bad about it anymore i celebrate it with them and i go that's amazing because one day all of these small houses will be knocked down and they'll all be mansions. And yeah. that will be the day that excites me. Becomes the Hollywood Hills all of a sudden. Exactly, brother. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But this but is but this like is it. like a, a visual gradient,
1: right? Like they're yeah. just right where they are building it up. And I suppose the local community improves along with it. I mean, look at of course Soweto it does. today versus Soweto back in the day. It's, it's yeah. just completely Night different. and
0: day. Completely. Yeah. It's completely different. I mean, and now it's a... Uh, it, it's a tourist location people will go and yeah. do like tours of Soweto. you know I, i've i'm one of the, the the crazy white guys that jumped off the uh the cooling towers um <laughs> one of the best things i've ever done like one of the best experiences of my life and uh, i the the music the culture the vibrancy the people like i love it and if, if anybody deserves to be uplifted it's these people right but yeah. this is not unique to south africa this is you know all of the emerging markets are like this because they've 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 developed more important family ties, religious ties. They've, they've, Because they didn't have money, they've still more of a sense of community. Um, now, sometimes those communities fight each other. It's like, well, they're yeah. rich, we're poor, let's go stick together and go take their money. But it all, if you think about all the things that go wrong in the world, it always comes down to money. Always yeah. comes down to money. So if you do wealth creation across the board, how many problems go away? Huge. Huge. <laughs> yeah this is it problems but i i'm not gonna i'm not the messiah right that's not my job i'm not gonna come and fix the world that's not what i'm gonna do right i don't have some sort of messiah complex where i kind of want everybody to know my name and do that but that's very much where our work is aimed because i talk about empowering a billion people I want to empower a billion entrepreneurs. But I'm not going to do that by working with them one-on-one. I'm going to do that by creating content and television content and a television network that's going to uplift and empower them with lessons that are going to allow them to improve their own lives. That's not yeah. me doing it for them. That's me giving them th- that charity. And as anybody who who does any work in charity will tell you, particularly th- those of us that do it for um, you know the good karma and the good feeling – if I could give to charity and nobody know it was ever me, I would, I would love to do that because that for me is, uh, I'm doing good for somebody else without any expectation or, 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 you know, expectancy of return. Um, and you don't even know it was me so life will take care of me i don't need your praise i don't need your thanks i don't even need you to think i pity you i don't want that right that's a that's an uncomfortable situation i want to help you and if i can help you to uplift yourself and then provide a better life for you your family and your community that gives me a tremendous sense of pride so yeah. my focus is on partnering with people who can empower others that's why i'm that's why my team the team that are around me are all designed to do one of two things wealth creation or coaching and mentorship. That's it. Right. And that, whether that's a spiritual thing, whether that's a business thing, whether that's a financial thing, whatever, right. It's about if we can uplift what you're doing and give you the tools to rebuild your community, bigger, better, stronger, wealthier than before. That excites me far more than me coming in to try and rebuild your community.
1: It's, it is a huge thing, though. Like you said, doing it in the right way, like giving in, it, giving in an anonymous capacity instead of for your own edification. You know, one of the one of the most mm-hmm. horrifying moments of my life was I gave a homeless guy some things that I see, happened to have, yep. and what he said was, "Thank you for not filming this."
0: Mm.
1: And. You know, oh, I brother. mean, how many, how many times has that happened
0: to this gent for him to actually yeah.
1: say that? I know, you know?
0: I know. I, I hate those videos. <laughs> yeah. I really do. I hate those videos. I mean, if if you get a selfie stick out to show yourself doing charity, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. You're doing it for your yeah. ego. And, and that really, really bothers me. Um, and yeah. don't get me wrong. Some people have have had things like they've had GoFundMe pages started afterwards and they've been given a home and all that kind of stuff. And I love that. So I love that aspect. Mm. But why was it necessary to degrade them first?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know
0: what I mean? Like wh- yeah. why? I, I actually, why was it necessary for you to see a story of a guy on YouTube before you cared enough to help? Why wasn't it enough when you walked past him in the street or saw him sleeping in a doorway? Why wasn't that enough for you to help? Yeah. And doesn't that just show you, like, when there's a, you say there's not enough abundance in the world? Well, every time somebody starts a GoFundMe page, these people end up with a house and a car and a job. We can yeah. do that without YouTube. Yeah, YouTube didn't give them the money for that. We did. <laughs> we, as a society, did. We gave the donations. We made that happen. So why can't we do that more? Yeah. Absolutely, and support
1: the businesses that come out of that. You know, like absolutely one of the best side effects that come out of horrible things, you know, like um, all the, all the violence against the black community in the States, that was horrible and reprehensible and should never have happened. One Mm -hmm. of the positive spinoffs of it happening, however, was this support black owned businesses. Yeah. Stop being a trend or a movement for a while. It's actually become a way of life Yes, for a lot of people. And, Local communities are are getting stronger because of it. You know, I'd give people adversity and they
0: strive through it is a beautiful thing. Definitely. No, you're so right. I mean necessity is the mother of all invention and some of the greatest ideas and I can speak first hand, some of the greatest ideas and technological advancements will come out of these emerging markets and these what I like to call forgotten communities. Um you know, for a long time, the attitude of the West was almost well. If it's not U.S., Canada, or U.K., we don't want to know. Yeah. Um, and, and that's such a an arrogant and incorrect stance to take. Mm. Um, and huge arrogance. Oh, it's a bit ridiculous. It's it's so <laughs> ridiculous. It's like, well, do, what do you know about the states? It's like that you have worse gun crime than we do. Like, what's your point? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. but it's it. it Look, I love the States, so I'm not going to knock the States because I feel like I'm picking on it now. But my, my point is that the people I work with in the States have a global attitude, right? The people that I don't work with in the States are the people who kind of say, well, we should just stick to America and we shouldn't help the rest of the world. We shouldn't do anything else. We shouldn't, you know, it's all about Americans. And it's like, no, it's not. Like, the only race is the human race, right? Yeah. So let's let's not forget about people. And here's the funny one. Like, I, I was saying this example to somebody recently. Americans, those types of Americans, will only start to wake up when it's too late, right? Yeah. And there's already examples of that happening. So I know some businesses in Cape Town. These are digital agencies in Cape Town. And obviously, connectivity got better, faster internet. Like Many of these guys have master's degrees. Some of them have PhDs and MBAs and all kinds of stuff. Like They are like top of their field of what they do. Now, if they were to work with South African clients, they'd be earning Rand. So what they said is, screw that, right? I don't want to do that. So let's just work with North America. So because we don't need to be there, we can deliver all this stuff remotely. So they do it for like two thirds of the price that you would pay in the US. So the the companies in the US are getting like a third discount and they're like, this is amazing. So they're getting a third discount to work with people who are arguably better, hungrier, faster, more efficient, more talented. Right. And the businesses in the US are starting to go, wait, I but i'm in new york you're in new york it's like so (laughs) it's like i'm not gonna pay you more to do less when i've got another (laughs) agency here who is gonna do this work even better than you would for a fraction of the cost so it's like oh well now we need to up our game but that's the difference it's gonna be too late for those people by the time they realize that so i love the fact that those businesses in cape town aren't saying great the, the business environment has improved so let's make more money across africa i love the fact that they're taking wealth from the u.s and bringing it back to africa that's what man that's what i'm all about right let's yeah let's take this three percent you know owned wealth and distribute it across the 98 percent. that's what i'm all about
1: absolutely you know and one of the One of the things that I love explaining to people in North America about working with South Africans, you know, people that work with me, um, some of them are 10 hours behind us. Yeah. And effectively, that means that they are getting a 34-hour day instead of a 24-hour day. Because when they're asleep, we're up, we're grafting, and they still get their time in.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And for many of them, it's a case of they wake up in the morning and the project's already done.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's beautiful. Start your day with the work already done, ready to build on.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm so exactly. with you. I mean, who, who was it that said? I think it was Warren Buffett said. You know, you're never really wealthy until you make money while you sleep.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And it's, and it's so so true. And and you know that's where globalization really comes into this because if you've got. You know, if, let's just take the small business idea. So let's talk about your business, right? If you so you do the the video editing, if you've got a, a partner of yours in Latin America and a partner of yours in Southeast Asia, your business is now twenty four hours, yeah. twenty four hours a day. There are conversations happening about new business. There are projects being delivered. There are exciting things happening. That's yeah. awesome, right? Yeah, that That's awesome. Yeah. And there are there are people who are always really good at their bit. So I know loads of people who are great at like sales they're amazing at sales they win the projects and then they almost go oh now i've got to deliver the work (laughs) (laughs) like it's like yeah i want this client oh crap now i've got to go do it right so but then you got other people that are like oh i really hate that sales bit if i just had like an abundance of clients and just projects that i could work on yeah i'd be like a pig in shit right i'd be so happy like i'm so at home in that scenario i just want to do the work so Why are those two businesses struggling with their respective bit? Let's put them together. And person number one is just going to go away and sell like crazy and love life because they never actually have to deliver any of the work. And person number (laughs) two is going to deliver the work. And they're like, this is great. I never have to sell ever again. And even if it's just split down the middle, do a 50-50 split with that person, right? Because... Yeah, all right. The person who's delivering the work, you're giving away 50% of your profit. Yeah, but you're also giving away 50% of the work, the 50% yeah. you don't like, yeah. right? So just split yeah. it down the middle and those two people grow like crazy, right? Exactly. And it might be that every salesperson can deliver work for two people. So if that's the case, now you've got a model to scale your business. Great. We've now, we've brought in two salespeople. I need to hire another couple of people on the back end to do the delivery work. Now we're even bigger and better to go. And now I'm not even the person doing all the work. I'm now the guy project managing the people doing the work. And that salesperson is out teaching other people how to be really great at sales and go and make that bit happen like that in in a very basic form. Would be a strategic alliance. That is a partnership that would work, right? So you're a South African business. Let's say that you're in that situation. You really kind of don't like that sales piece. You just kind of want to get on with the delivery of the work. So go and find that partner in the established market. Go and find that partner in North America, in the UK, because then from your perspective, here's what's going to happen there. Okay. Yes, okay. You're giving away 50% to that person for finding the sales. But that what you're getting in in return might actually be the same value as if you'd have done a hundred percent of the deal yourself across Africa, yeah yeah, so you're getting the same money but having to do nothing to do with the sales yeah <laughs> that's a big win so but just so just box smart right just just play differently, and I think people will be. Anyone who's never done this will be surprised. Anyone who's ever done this before, you know, I'm I'm preaching to the converted here, right? Because you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But the amount of opportunities that open up when you just talk to people about it and say, "Hey, I do this. You do this. What should we do something together?" It's like, yeah, no problem. I'll give you. In fact, I'll give you a real life example, right? One that happened yesterday. Um, somebody I did a podcast with about 18 months ago. Great guy. Runs a digital agency in Canada very very successful guy uh runs an seo business and e-commerce business very very talented bloke and we've actually done a little bit together over the past 18 months not potentially a lot of work but we've spent some guests each other's way and we've made some introductions to each other's network and we've been kind of feeling each other out not in like a strategic way just in a (laughs) when the opportunity arose it's like here's this person i think you'll really like matt and matt's like i think you'll really like phil here's this person so we get chatting um, and I messaged him and said, look, I've got a couple of people I'd like to introduce you to the podcast. And actually I want to have a conversation with you about how we might be able to do more work together in a bit of a strategic way. Let's jump on the phone. So we get on the phone and, and you know, the, the agreement was pretty simple. It was like, we'll just do 10% of each other's business for referrals. Either way, here's the type of people I'm looking for. Here's the type of people you're looking for. And then out of nowhere, he says, um, you worked in real estate for years, didn't you? I said, yeah, I did. And he said, you know, the group training course that you do, which is aimed at like helping people to kind of do these strategic alliances and figure out who they need to partner with and stuff. So, yeah, he said, it would work for real estate people, wouldn't it? I was like, I actually developed it for real estate people. It's now been adapted for other people. But, yeah, absolutely it would. Why? And he said, you know, if I could get you people for your group um, every month, you know, would that be kind of worth like 10, 15% of the fee? I was like, yeah, dude, it would. Of course it would. Like, what are you thinking? And he's like, well, I've got a a marketing list that I'm not using at the moment of over a quarter of a million brokers across North America. Plus, I'm working with four businesses who run e-commerce or specifically aimed at the real estate brokers. And I'm working with a magazine that's aimed at the top, whatever percent of brokers in the US. And he said, I'm not really doing anything with that right now. I could get your program and your course on all of those. And we could do a drip fed email campaign to introduce what you're doing to these people. Cause I genuinely believe it could help them. You know, how many of these people could you do a month? And I said, yeah, realistically, mate, and any more than, cause I do to mixture of video training, um, and some exercises, and then once a week we meet for like a 90-minute group session where they can kind of ask me anything they want at that point. I said, any more than 100 people in that group, it starts to get a bit carnage because there's just loads of people there. I said, so about 100, I'd say, per month would probably be be the cap. And he was like, oh, that'd be easy to achieve. I mean, I've got like quarter of a million on this marketing list. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, 100 a month is is, yeah. is really easy going. Like, no problem. Let's get it all set up. If you need me to help build a website, I mean, I've already got the guys. They're dead quick. They can get something knocked up in the next 30 minutes or so, and we're ready to go. Amazing. Now, let me put this into perspective. I charge 1000 bucks a month for this course, right? So that deal yesterday that he just volunteered is worth $100,000 a month, Yeah. right? Yeah. He's got the lists, he's got the know-how, he's doing nothing with it, I've got the course, I've got the experience, do you have any idea how hard I have to have to work to go and find a hundred extra people, just real estate <laughs> brokers for that course, every single month, and now by combining together, he's getting, you know, 15 grand a month, I'm getting 85 grand a month, and it, the whole thing's taken care of.
1: Shit the bed, yeah, that's easy. But it's...
0: <laughs> but, And and I love Matt, right? So Matt, if you're listening, I I absolutely love you to pieces, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but that relationship is not unique. Matt and I could do that with other people. Mm. You know, that is not a one-time, that's the only time that's ever going to happen in the world kind of situation. You know, the reality is that I could do Fridays of my group sessions day, right? Mm. And I could do five groups. Couldn't I? And I could do some across North America, some across Latin America, some across Africa, some across Southeast Asia, and some across the Middle East, right? Do different time zones all in one day. So one day I bash out five of those calls. If I did that, that's half a million dollars additional revenue every single month. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's that would happen if I went and found a mat, for example in the middle east in southeast asia in latin america it's a, and in africa it's the same approach the same relationship the same, and, and and actually it's even better isn't it because once matt and i have proved the concept after working together for a few months and i'm ready to go and say right i want to do this in the middle east as well i can go to those partners in the middle east and say look matt's already made 50 grand <laughs> off working with us doing this kind of thing do you want some additional revenue if you've got these mailing lists who do you want to talk to what have we got so what I'm saying here is that you can have a great service and a great product, but if your bit isn't introducing it to people work with other people who are really good at that bit, because there are people who are really good at that bit, but actually they don't really have the time or the inclination to go and design their own thing to introduce those people. They just rather that's what affiliate marketing is all about, right? It's like, I don't want to design my own thing. (laughs) I want to sell your thing, but I want to make sure that it's actually going to add value to that network. So Matt and I have built that relationship. We know, like, and trust each other. I believe that anybody I recommend to him, he's going to do an out of this world job. He knows that I'm the best at what I do. So if he recommends people to me and puts me in touch with those lists and his clients, that I'm going to take good care of them and they're going to rave about what we do. So why shouldn't we make money together? Now for people listening to this kind of going, well, that's out of this Mm -hmm. world. That's nuts. It's it's not, that was a relationship that developed on a podcast where we had a chat, right? The, The, Tell me what it is happening in your life right now in South Africa, in Latin America, in France, in Germany, in Australia that means that you can't do that exact same process with your own tribe. Yeah, uh, You show me the excuse and I'll show you bullshit.
1: <laughs> well, this is the thing that I've learned quite rapidly. You know, um, if take um, podcasting right now, right? So podcasting for me costs basically nothing. Mm-hmm. You can get a microphone like this um, in Cash Crusaders or Cash Converters, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a little yep. store, it's a chain store, and it's about 500 Rand yeah, mm-hmm. for that setup. It's super cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, you plug it into your computer. You have that plugged into Anchor.fm. That kicks out to a bunch of different platforms. You go yep. into Matchmaker.fm, you meet different people, and you interview. That's why we're here. Yep. Alternatively, if I... Had just sent an email asking, you know, billionaires in boxer shorts. I need sales from you, and it was, you know, those old emails that people used to send out. Yeah. Um, I think that that would have been a lot less likely to end up in us having a conversation. Whereas you, you, know, you wouldn't
0: even got introduced to me if you sent that. We we get hundreds of yeah, those every are. single month, and we ignore them. Um, this is it. and actually, podcasting is also about the mentorship side of things. so, so again. We'll, we'll use this relationship as an example. If you'd have contacted my team and said, I want to have an hour on the phone with Phil, they'd have said, Sure, here's his invoice and here's the booking <laughs> thing, right? They just they sent you a one hour strategy session and you'd have paid for it, right? I don't know what it is at the minute, but it's like 750 bucks, like a thousand bucks, something like that. And I'm, I'm not talking about Rand here either. I'm talking about US yeah. dollars. um So a, a fair bit of money for an hour long conversation. Um, but for some people, that's more than enough. That's all they need. They just need to yeah, Phil. I'm trying to fix my strategy. You're the guy to come to, if I just pay you a grand, can you just give me these answers and I'll go away? That's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. But by doing it on a podcast, there's no money exchange. This is, it's it's trading something else. It's trading value add. It's trading the ability to be able to reach an audience and help people. So yeah. given that that's what motivates me, I'll do these till the cows come home. I've got three podcast recordings today. Yeah. Right. So I'll I'll do over four hours worth of podcasting today, all for free, all value add, trying to help people, right? But if people wanted that one-on-one, they'll pay for that one-on-one precisely yeah so it's all about how you approach people and and how you do that because now i often say the power well i always say actually the power of podcasting is not in the audience it's in the networking you know it's the the people who wouldn't give you 10 to 15 minutes on the phone to talk about what you do will give you 45 to 60 minutes on a podcast to build a relationship together and that's powerful
1: and i would love to get that message out there that you know People in my local community... Look, reason why I want to build up my local community is I was raised to think that that is your whole purpose in life, right? My, yep. uh, my granddad was a good example. So, uh, is a good example, actually. So, in the apartheid years, which ended when I was six, right? So, I've got yep. no personal experience of it, really. Um, my granddad... Had a factory, and he employed a lot of the local black dudes. And there was uh, now where we have BEE, which is Black Economic Empowerment. We used to have yep. EEE, which is European Economic Empowerment.
0: Oh wow! Under
1: the terms of that, we uh, weren't allowed to give black people certain positions. They weren't allowed to take on certain roles within factories because they were too advanced. That had to go to a European. Wow! But people like my granddad found ways around that and they (laughs) they found loopholes to train the people up that they believed in regardless of what color or background they were and they ran a big risk because there was auditors who came around to check that eee was being upheld and all this sort of thing but they did Mm. it anyway and one of my favorite examples of that was my granddad giving without any expectation of return giving a truck and some equipment to one of these dudes and sending him on his way, you know, to start his own scrap metal business. And the Love guy it. is now a multi millionaire. And he went back and he paid in full for the truck and all that sort of thing without being asked to. You know? Love it. And for that's me, that's powerful. That's what I want to do as well. I want to say to local people, like, this is follow these five steps and then run with it, you know? Yeah. Just set you up and then go with it. And that is what yep. you are doing in in your everyday life i find that incredibly aspirational and inspiring. well
0: that's very kind of you to say thank you well look i mean it's um i come at this from a very different perspective right because i i I didn't grow up in in any form of apartheid south africa in fact one of the the one of the memories that my wife tells people is that um, as somebody who's done over ten thousand hours of podcasting, I like a good talk, right? Yeah. And the only time that I've been completely silent for a long period of time was at the Apartheid Museum, because this for me was—I I mean, I'm—I'm I'm almost ashamed to say it now, but this to me was completely new information. This was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like this is what happened? Like, and I'm walking around this this building. And this is a few years ago now, so I was walking around this building uh, with my South African Indian wife carrying on my chest my six-year-old mixed-race baby who is South African and British, realizing that not that long ago my child would have been illegal as would have been my relationship (laughs) and i'm thinking this is completely messed up like i cannot (laughs) believe that this happened like what i don't what is going on right and and then learning all of these lessons and finding all this stuff out it was it was a it was a very painful painful moment i mean there's things that i learned there that um like, a, there was a section on the Anglo-Boer War, and I knew nothing about that either. Like, we're not taught about this stuff. This just shows you how bad the education system is. They teach you the stuff that they want you to know, right? Mm. I remember thinking growing up as a teenager that aren't the Germans evil, right? They invented <laughs> concentration camps and put all the juice in them, right? And then I get to this Anglo-Boer um, Museum, and and it talks about how the british were the first to use concentration camps and we use them exclusively for boar women and children and i'm like wow. wait we we designed these things like <laughs> i i've been busy hating on someone else because of this evil thing they did and we did it first like yeah. no how come no one told us this um yeah. and, and and you know and then watching the videos of uh of the UK being very anti-Nelson Mandela and Margaret Thatcher calling him a terrorist. And I'm thinking, yeah. I don't know any of this. Like, uh, Which yeah. is why, actually, when he died and David Cameron went to his funeral, um, and spoke and said what an inspiration he was to the world. I thought that that was quite hypocritical, given that David Cameron c- considers Margaret Thatcher an idol and an inspiration of his, and she thought he was a terrorist. And it just goes to show you how quickly politicians will flip depending on the narrative that suits them. Um, yeah. But my point is, like, I, 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 figured out all this stuff, and and I and I, I was hearing about this stuff, and and it was it was incredibly painful and humbling experience to learn. Um, but even in my own life, you know, I. I am where I am today because some very powerful and influential people saw something in me. And despite the fact that they had absolutely no reason to, there was no hope of any return or anything like that, they offered me a hand up on that ladder because it was the right thing to do. Um, Actually, I've been back to several of them and tried to repay them and they don't want it. They want me to pay it forward. Um, and it's like, listen, I will. You pay it forward, right? Do it for someone else. Like that's all I want is for you. I'm so proud that you're a success. That was that was for me. Was all I wanted. Like one of my close mentors, I think I told you about this guy on the phone actually. Um, guy that I worked with a number of years ago. Um, he's self-made multimillionaire. He's a black guy from Zim, and he actually fled Zimbabwe to get away from Mugabe, who was trying to lock him up for all kinds of crazy stuff because he he was anti government and all this kind of stuff comes over to the uk makes his fortune in real estate and he, he now runs one of the most successful real estate brokerages here in the uk Amazing. i love this guy he's a good friend of mine um in fact he he, he winds me up a lot and says i'm more african than he is uh, i don't quite know <laughs> what he means by that um but we we get on like a house on fire tremendously well we're very very close our families are very close and you know what's incredible is that this man that that I i still look up to but especially then i mean i used to look up to him more because it was like he has money and i don't right Mm -hmm. now our businesses are probably a similar size um and i he's still my mentor he's still the person i look up to not now necessarily because of the financial reason but because of what he did for somebody that had nothing um You know, he, he did that to help me. And when you speak to him, he says, it's because people helped me. People saw something in me and they helped me. And that's where I am today. So I did the same for you because I was paying it forward. So actually I don't want you to give me anything back because you doing it for you was me repaying the debt to the universe, you know? So now it's your job to go do it for someone else. Don't give it me back. I don't want the burden back. You, you know, you take it now. Here's the bat and run with it. Um, and f- for me, that's that's all about, you know, you don't solve world hunger by giving one dude a sandwich, <laughs> you know, you, you 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 resolve world hunger by teaching people to fish and teaching people to become self-reliant and giving people the ability to create their own wealth. You know, I have no aspirations, as I said earlier, to be the messiah that has this company that Employs a billion people you know i'm not i'm not jeff bezos that's not what i want to do right <laughs> i i want to i want to have a company that teaches other people to become so independent and successful on their own i mean look I, it would be hypocritical right if for me to say i want you to be financially free and independent of governments and companies and all this kind of stuff so that you can stand on your own two feet but you have to rely on me for a salary like mm-hmm i don't want to replace the government dependency with dependency on phil that doesn't that's not what i'm about in fact that would keep me up at night i'd hate it right (laughs) what what i want to do is teach you how to do this for yourself and that for me i mean that's what gets me out of bed that's what excites me that's what motivates me and and it's it's not through some purpose of in fact, it's not for some some purpose of thinking that I'm better than other people and that's why I want to do this or people are lesser than me so I want to help these poor you know, these poor Africans. Let me, as this white European man, go over there and fix it. No, nonsense. It's not that. It's that I see beautiful people with incredible ideas and incredible innovation that haven't been given the fair tools to give them The ability to build what they're capable of building and i see the injustice of that because i grew up in the same situation and as soon as somebody gave me the tools i created something that changed my life and the life of all of those around me and that's exactly what i want to give to other people let me teach you how to use those tools let me show you what those tools are and then go and do it for yourself and nothing will make me prouder
1: It's an amazing mission man and it fulfills so much and it's a legacy that perpetuates itself onwards you know like i hope so instead of being old jeff bezos you end up
0: being i don't know the stone that started the avalanche that just never stopped (laughs) that's it and you know what the the proudest thing is going to be that in generations to come there will be families and communities that are in a much better position and they don't even remember where it came yeah. from, because it was their yeah. great granddad that learned something through the billionaires in boxes network that started this whole thing off. But that's not that's not what's important, because it's not important that you know the next three generations know that Phil Palucha did this and that's why they're successful. I want. I want their children and grandchildren to look at them in the same way that my kids look at me and go, I'm proud of my dad. Like look what he's doing, look at the stuff he's achieving, look at look at the life we have where we could have come from. Like I, I'm I don't want to steal that legacy I'm getting emotional now. I don't want to steal that legacy from other people. I want other people's kids and grandkids and their grandchildren to look at them and say, I'm so proud of my papa, look what he did, look where he came from and look what he achieved, look what she achieved, look what she, look what she built. And that that excites me more than anything in the world.
1: Yeah. You're building heroes instead of expecting everyone to think you're the hero themselves.
0: For sure, man. That's exactly what it is. Like I'm the hero of my own story, but I want you to be the hero of yours.
1: Yeah. It's a beautiful sentiment, man. Absolutely stunning. I love that. It's a lot of heart in that and there's a lot of, you know, genuine care for the future of everyone who is listening and all of their kids as well it's 100 really really good really really good sentiment
0: you just have to make a decision right is all i'd say is you have to make a decision um i grew up in poverty and one day i made this decision and i and i could have gone either way i think i told you this story like i was kicked out of school at 14 um I was destined for prison. <laughs> and, and I don't say that lightly. Like I was, that was my path. That was where I was heading. In fact, yeah. I'll go so far, I won't say what, because I don't want to get in trouble, but I'll go so far as to say there's occasions that I could have ended up in prison. There's already yeah. things that I'd done in my earlier life that if I'd have got caught, I'd have gone to prison and it would have been game over for me. Yeah. Um, and I made a decision and I just said, it ends with me. This poverty cycle ends with me. And I don't even know how at this point, but it does. It stops today, right? Today, I start on a new path, and I might be at the very beginning of that path, and I don't know who I'm going to meet on this path or what problems I'm going to come across and what difficulties, and believe me, there's been a lot. But it, it ends today. I don't go back to, to this. And actually, one of the the things that I said, and it probably doesn't mean much to a South African, but we have a benefit system here, and there's a real... Um, Everybody kind of looks down on this benefit system, like they're they benefit scroungers, they're they're yeah. dole hoppers. You know, it's it's not a, it's not a nice kind of asset. And that was where I grew up, you know, free school meals because we couldn't afford to pay for them, and not being able to go on school trips because uh, there was no way we'd be able to afford that stuff. And like the, that cycle of poverty, that feeling of shame as a child born into poverty, where you have absolutely no say over this whatsoever, but you carry around this burden. You know, it was absolutely horrible. And to this day, I've never taken a penny from the government, never, and I won't. <laughs> I don't want grants, I don't want loans, I don't want support. I want nothing from you, nothing. I will do this myself because that you know even if I lost my job and lost everything, I would never sign on to the benefit system because i I made a decision a long time ago that that was going to be a different path, and it ended with me, and that would me be that would be me going back to that path again. And I won't. So one of the things I want your listeners to listen, no matter when you're listening to this, whether you're listening to this in, in May 21 or whether you're listening to this in 25, 26, 30, I don't really care when you're listening to this, make a decision that it ends today. It ends right now. This That stuff that makes your heart sink into the pit of your stomach when you think about it, the feeling of being poor, the feeling of being not enough, the feeling of being unequal to somebody, the feeling of being uneducated, all of it, it ends today right now it stops and you go and start finding those people that you can surround yourself with that allow you to elevate yourself because you have the tools to do this yourself but just like anything right you could go to home depot and buy all the tools to buy a house that doesn't mean you know how to build a house you still need to partner yourself with people who can show you how to do that and if you take nothing away from my message other than that today it's make the decision and start to meet those people
1: Absolutely. I think that that is one of the scariest things. How would you recommend people say, someone listening who's sitting in one of the townships in South Africa right now, how can they start to meet people to change their life?
0: Yes, yeah, a really good so, question. Yeah. So i think there's a few ways number one is the internet i mean most people will have a cell phone and some airtime and be able to kind of get get access to some internet if not there's usually free wi-fi you can go and get from a shopping mall or something so go and you know make your way and start having conversations like you said join matchmaker.fm head onto linkedin start having conversations with people right but you've got to think about this as a trade don't just ask somebody for money or ask somebody to teach you something say to somebody look I have nothing to offer right now but my time. I will do anything it is that you want me to do, but what I'm looking for is a mentor and somebody that can support me and and get me there. You know, asking for a job and asking for a mentor get two completely different reactions. You ask for a job and someone will say I'm not hiring at the moment. You ask for a mentor somebody will be flattered and say I hear you. I I see you. You know, I recognize this calling. I recognize what you're doing and what it is you're trying to do. And I respect that. The other one would be if you're in a township, you know, using like Soweto for an example, those big houses, right? Those are your people. These are your people who have made it successful. Go talk to them. Go and you got them there on your doorstep, right? Go to the house. You know, knock on the. Fence. You have to be prepared for the fact that, especially if you're in South Africa, they're probably not just going to open up the door for you. They're going to want to check who the hell you are first and why you want to talk to them. <laughs> but you know, just be honest and say, "Look, I was listening to this podcast, and you know, it was with these guys who were all about empowerment, and they spoke about how having the right mentor in their life really changed everything." You know, could I ask you a couple of questions about like how you become so successful and who helped you get there? And you'd be amazed how freely people will give that information. And they may well even offer to mentor you and help you. If not, there will certainly know people who can introduce you. You know, there's a question that you can ask that, that takes the pressure out of it. Don't ask, will you mentor me? I mean, some people will love that. But ask, who do you know that could potentially mentor me and help me get there? And if they want to do it, they'll volunteer themselves. That's a beautiful
1: one, man. I love that. Giving people the actual start of the process. Because I think it's insurmountable. You know, if you're sitting there and you've got clothes full of dust and you haven't got anything but a sandwich to your name you know it's hard to then envision this future goal of you know wealth and pride in yourself and success but having like you've just given people some real actionable stuff that they can do today right now in the next half an hour definitely start that process along it's just following the crumbs isn't it
0: absolutely and you'd be surprised. Don't get me wrong; you will still come across idiots that don't want to help, and 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 people who are stuck in that mindset of "I need to stand on people to get there." But that's why I'm saying, if you talk to people in your, from your own communities, and you talk to people, you know, talk to people from those townships and those communities, the ones who've made it, the ones who've been successful, you know, reach out to people globally who, you know, if if let's use the township in South Africa as an example, right? That person that you're messaging in America doesn't know you're in a township in South Africa, so they're not going to look down on you in the same way that you might perceive other people currently look down at you. So messaging them to say, look, I'm, I was born into South Africa. Um, it's, it's, there's not a lot of wealth. There's not a lot of jobs. I have this ans, um, aspiration of becoming you know, my own entrepreneur and getting there, but I'm not quite sure where to start on that journey. How did you get started and, and you know, is there any advice you could offer me? you will be amazed, amazed by how many people will be will be touched by that and say, actually, let me give you, I mean, I did it. I've done it so often, mate. I mean, I've had people that I've asked that question to in, in my earlier days that said, I actually have like a $5,000 course that we, I sell to businesses. Um, look, let me give you access to it because I think it's really going to help empower you. And they just give it to you and they're giving you thousands of dollars worth of free stuff because you had a heartwarming conversation with them. Yeah. Like you, you've, just go out there your vibe attracts your tribe so go and find your tribe because as soon as you do they'll take care of you and you'll take care of them
1: that's beautiful beautiful phil thank you so much for that man and for what you do for the work and the process that you go through daily as part of your vision thank you for that as well because you're you're giving people like me and i'm sure whoever listens to this a hell of a lot of hope in the future not only for myself, but that leaders like yourself are humans
0: with a real good heart in them. <laughs> not what Thank you. Well, ki- <laughs> it's very kind of you to say, but what I would say is I'm not unique. I have a an incredible you know team of people around me. And when I say team, I mean both the people who work for me directly and the people who are in my strategic partnership and in my sort of virtual business team. And there are some incredible people. I mean, the we work with investors that probably have close to, two billion dollars worth of investment funds at their disposal at any one time and these are good heart-centered people these are people who take social responsibility and empowerment extremely importantly and they're now thinking about the legacy that they wish to leave behind them um, not just uh well i made x amount of money it's like these are the people i empowered and this is what i did so i'm not alone in this like i might, it might be the first time that many people are hearing this message but that's because you're talking to the wrong people um, there are lots of versions of me all at different stages of their development out there. Um, and, you know, whether it's me that you resonate with or whether it's somebody, you know, on the same path that coming from a, from a different direction that you resonate with, the the one thing that we all have in common is your empowerment is what's at the center of what we do. So it really doesn't impact us in the slightest if that's done with me or whether that's done with somebody else, provided that you become empowered.
1: It's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment, man, and it's not just a sentiment either. You're actually doing it,
0: doing it every day, You're every, single, every day. single day. It's so cool. It's what it's, it's it's what gets me out of bed, and it's what it's what energizes me, and it's what I'm focused on. And and like I, we're in a very successful place right now, very lucrative place. I love the work that we do, and I keep saying to people over and over again, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Like this is just <laughs> the beginning. That's beautiful, Phil.
1: I I just hope that your success is meteoric and it just keeps
0: going, man. It's Thank uh, you, brother. That's very kind of you to say.
1: Inspirational, man. Thank you so much for your time today and thank you for your brain and the way you use it.
0: you're most welcome it's been a real pleasure to be here and um look i I practice what i preach so i'm I'm not the easiest person to get hold of but anybody listening to this that that does want to talk to me um you can head over to billionairesinboxes.com and send me a message that way let people know that you've come via the podcast and and they'll have a conversation or indeed if you're on linkedin just connect with me on linkedin it's philip palucha p-e-l-u-c-h-a um come and have a chat with me you know my my team will pick it up they'll they'll funnel it through to me i'm sure but just let us know which podcast you've come from and where and like i said even if i can't help you i i will know somebody that can and i'll be able to point you in the right direction and and that will be a a, a gift for both of us so um yeah anybody that wants to have that conversation you know where to find me
1: that's wonderful thank you phil i'll put all of your links in the description of this podcast so you're just a click away
0: sounds great thank you so much Um,
1: Thank you, Phil. Take care of yourself, Jen.
0: Yeah, you too.